sufferings. We all are familiar with these things. Uh, we don't have to explain much, but in order to encourage such discouraged people, of late a new category of speakers have sprung up who call themselves as motivational speakers. But the Bible has life-giving messages which are far better and superior to these motivational speeches. Today, let us meditate on one such life-giving messages from the first epistle of John. Living a joy-filled life. The first epistle of John was written to believers to help them be strong in their faith and to lead a joyful, joyful life in this evil world. Because in 1 John 5.19, the Apostle John says, we know that we are children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. It is important to understand the meaning of the evil one. It is only the children, it is important for the children of God to understand the meaning of this evil one. Because the moment we think evil, we always think something, you know, at the very appearance, it is bad, dirty, violent. That's how we have understood this word. But the Bible also says the devil masquerades himself as the light of the angel. Devil deceives only the children of God. He deceives them. He comes to them as light of the angel. Because the world is under the control of the evil one, it will always try to satisfy the believers in a worldly way. The entire intention and purpose of the evil one is to keep us away from God. That is his motive and that is his purpose. So what the world offers will always be more attractive and entertaining. And that's what Bible calls us the evil one. We should not think that devil will you know, come with a sword or with a rifle. He comes with things which are very attractive, things which are entertaining so that we are satisfied with these things. And so we remain away from God. That is his motive. So the beloved disciple of Jesus, remember John, the beloved disciple of Jesus is telling us, though there are evil forces opposing us in this world, we can conquer it, we can defeat it, we can succeed, we can be successful in our life. We can overcome our trials and troubles and emerge as more than conquerors. That's what John is telling us. And that's the same language the apostle Paul also uses when we see in 
Ephesians 6.12, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. With this as a background, let us read together today's passage from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Let's read it together. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is God's word. Glorious Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Open the eyes of our heart to understand. Let this word produce 30, 60, and 100-fold harvest for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we can read verse 4 as we write this to make your joy complete. We write this to make your joy complete because the purpose of writing this letter is to make their joy complete, the believer's joy complete. Because believers in the Lord Jesus Christ should have fullness of joy. Whatever may be their situation, whatever may be their circumstances, they should have and they can have this fullness of joy, though the world is under the control of the evil one. Now, from, from where did John learn this? What is the, from, on what grounds is saying with so much of confidence? Because when there are struggles around us, there are challenges around us, when we suffer, so what is the basis? In fact, the believers in John's time were undergoing persecution. They were struggling even for their food. In the midst of all that John is writing, we write this to make your joy complete. John learned it from his master. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. John is telling this world is under the control of the evil one. Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus clearly forewarned his disciples that this world is under the control of the evil one 
So what can you expect? They hated me, they will hate you. You will have troubles. But he also promised them that I will give you joy. I will give you my joy. Because in John 15, 11, Jesus told his disciples, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. That's what he, John is writing these verses. In his own words, he says, we write this to make our joy complete. We write this to make your joy complete. Jesus said, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So this is a promise. It is an assurance that our Lord Jesus Christ has given to each one of his followers. We write this to make your joy complete. So the Bible promises a joyful life to all the Christians. So now the question is, what does this joy mean? What does this joy mean? In order to define the word love, Paul wrote an entire chapter. If you remember, we call it as love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The reason being, he was not, he was not able to explain the meaning of the word love in one sentence, so he wrote an entire chapter. Similarly, we shall have to say a number of things in order to explain the meaning of the word joy. The first thing we must bear in mind is that a follower of Jesus Christ is an honest and practical person. Christians know that the world is under the control of the evil one. Because it is under the control of the evil one, there are trials, there are troubles, there are sickness, sufferings, loss, death, all kinds of things are there in this world because it's under the control of the evil one. So a follower of Christ is an honest and a realistic person. He will not pretend as though he's happy. When a dear one, we lose a dear one, we don't pretend as though everything is fine. So a believer in Christ does not pretend. Sometimes religious people, they feel, they feel guilty because they have to show their faith as though whatever happens, it doesn't matter, we are joyful. That's not the kind of joy the Bible talks about because we cannot produce joy on our own. So a believer in Christ does not pretend. He does not hide because in this world, there are sickness, there are struggles. Every one of us we face. So he doesn't hide that. He's a realistic person. The second thing we must keep in mind is we must not try to explain the meaning of the word joy by referring to a dictionary and come with just a sentence and say, this is the meaning of the word joy. Because when we want to define words like this, we must go to the New Testament. We must see what does it mean 
in the New Testament. In the New Testament, the word joy belongs to the Christian life in its essence. Why do I say that? Because whatever I say, it must confirm to the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will give you my joy. This world has never seen a joyful person like our Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible also describes Jesus as a man of sorrow. In Isaiah 53.3, it says, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. So practically, how do we understand this joy? Apart from Jesus, do we have some examples so that we can understand the meaning of the word joy? The apostle Paul was a follower of Jesus Christ and, a, and was a man who had this kind of joy. It did not matter where Paul was. He was always joyful. That's the reason sitting inside a prison, he writes Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Not only sitting inside the prison, the day they were beaten and put into prison, we all know the story of Paul and Silas. They were so badly beaten and they were put inside the prison. And the Bible says about midnight, they were singing and praising God. That is the kind of joy. And we cannot produce this kind of joy. It is not in our ability to produce this kind of joy. It is always produced by something else. So I said, we cannot produce this joy. So having said that, I said, Paul, has displayed the joy in and through his life. So let me just mention two characteristics of this joy. So the first characteristics, characteristic of joy is a state of complete satisfaction. We have to be satisfied to have this kind of joy. Paul was satisfied even inside the prison and that's why he was able to sing songs because he was in a state of complete satisfaction. There is no joy unless I am completely satisfied. If I am dissatisfied in any respect, I am not joyful. My mind, my heart, my emotions, my desires must be satisfied. Not only they must be satisfied, they all must be satisfied together. And at the same time, why do I say that? 
I may pursue an academic program and I can come out with flying colors or I may read a book and feel great about it. And I may be satisfied mentally, but deep down I know my heart is cold. So that is not joy. Even though my mind is satisfied, my, I am not in a state of joy because there is something lacking in my heart. You know, people, they get promotions. You know, in the job place, they may be very happy. Heart of heart, they're saying, now I have to go and face the situation. You see, they were mentally happy, but they were not happy completely. So that is not joy. They can achieve so much in their professional world, or even in the ministry, they can achieve. But heart of heart, they may not have this kind of joy that the Bible promises to every believer in our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are entitled to have this kind of joy where we are satisfied in all aspects. And it is exactly the same with desires. You know, I may spend time watching video after video and my, I may feel so great, but deep down I feel I've just wasted my time. I may keep listening to even Christian programs for us together, but I feel there was something else I was supposed to do. I have not done it. You see, that's not the kind of joy. My desires may be satisfied, but my mind and my conscience, they convict me. So when we are talking about joy, it should give us complete satisfaction. My mind, my heart, my emotions, and my desires must be satisfied. All must be satisfied at the same time, and it is possible for every believer in Jesus Christ. That is the reason John is writing to his believers. It's our desire that our joy, our joy will be complete. Now, the second characteristic of joy is a feeling of strong power and strength. Joy is one of the strongest powers in the world. When you have joy, you will be able to face challenges and difficulties in, in life. Someone who is in a state of joy is afraid of nothing which includes death. When we are truly joyful, we are strong. We are ready to meet every enemy from every direction. That's, that's what joy enables us to do. We all know that verse, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And that is the meaning of that verse. The joy of the Lord is my strength because it is a feeling of strong power and strength. 
And the disciples and the first century believers, they exhibited a remarkable state of joy in their lives. If you read the Fox book of Martyrs, you will, you will understand that, you know, they were so joyful. Even to the point of death, they had that joy. And the Bible assures us that we also can have that kind of joy. So I said joy means a state of complete satisfaction. And joy means a feeling of strong power and strength. Now, having said that, how to have this joy? Because we all desire this kind of joy. We want to be, we want to have, we want to live in a state of complete satisfaction. And we want to be very strong because there are so many things that's happening around us, not nice, they're evil, they're painful. But we want to lead a powerful life. So there is only one person who can give this joy. I said we cannot produce joy on our own. So there is only one person. So we have to receive it from outside. And there is only one person who can give this joy. And Jesus Christ alone can give us this complete satisfaction. In fact, when we understand our salvation in the right sense, salvation understood in the right way includes this kind of joy. So I can state it this way, joy is the response of the heart, mind, emotions, and desires to your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is a time Quite often, preachers preach an emotional message and people come forward and they accept Jesus. But very soon they are discouraged because they did have this complete sense of joy. When we understand joy, it is in its, in, when we understand our salvation, it has to affect our mind, heart, emotion, desires, everything. And when that is affected, the response of the heart, mind, emotions, and desires produce in us this kind of joy. We should not have joy only when we are worshiping and praising and when we are singing. That's good. But we should have joy even when we are faced with challenges and difficulties. And that is the kind of joy that is assured and promised in this particular passage. Even when we walk through the darkest valley, we should have this joy. When we have this joy, even when we go through challenges and difficulties, when we go through the darkest valley, it will not threaten us. It will not overwhelm us it will not produce in us a sense of fear. If, if I have to say that, you know, I don't have the joy of the Lord, if it is going to 
vary with the situations and circumstances. This joy is independent of what is happening in and around my life. That is the joy that God has promised for each one of us. We will never know this joy until we know our Lord Jesus Christ. And the more we know our Lord Jesus Christ, the more we will have this joy. Because Jesus Christ is the source of joy. He is the source of all blessings. Everything comes through him. I don't have time. That's the reason the first three verses, first the passage that we read, if you go and read it carefully, the first three verses are devoted to a description of our Lord Jesus Christ because Christian life depends on knowing our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ is essential. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. The more we know this Jesus Christ, the more we will have, have this joy within us. Now, what did I say about the motivational speakers? Now, John is motivating his people. And this is the kind of language he uses. Because this John has got nothing to say to these people by way of encouragement. You know, sometimes if we preach, they'll say, Pastor, don't you have a heart? They are undergoing so much of persecution. They don't, they don't have any food to eat. You might say that. And I don't know, you, you might say even to the Apostle John, because the people to whom he's writing, they are undergoing persecution, not persecution, severe persecution. They are facing a lot of economic hardships. To these people John is writing that nothing will happen to you unless you're absolutely clear about our Lord Jesus Christ. Christian life is knowing this Lord Jesus Christ more and more and more. In fact, when if John had preached about, you know, God will provide, God will do this, he's distracting them from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the source of blessings. Once we know the Lord Jesus Christ, we will live in a state of joy. We may have struggles, we may have problems, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. So we'll have trouble. We'll have sickness. We'll have suffering. We'll have all kinds of challenges. But we will have joy because we know this Lord Jesus Christ. Because it is only through Jesus Christ we have access to God. I can call God as my Abba Father because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. Have I taken it lightly? When I say Abba, Father, have I, do I take it 
with due reverence. So that's only in and through Jesus Christ, we can have this joy. So we have seen how to have this joy. Finally, how do I retain this joy? Because the answer is in John chapter one, verse three. In four, he said that we write this to make our joy complete. We write this to make uh, our joy or your joy complete. So how do I retain this joy? The answer is in verse three. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Sometimes we have become very casual with God or we have become very familiar with God. So I would like to approach this verse with, with a sense of fear and trembling. God is not a human being. He's not one among us. God is God. He's a holy God. That's the reason God told Moses in Exodus 3.5, do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Do we have the sense of awe when we approach God? very familiar with this God. Now, this is the central message of the Christian gospel and of the Christian faith. The more we realize this fellowship with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ, the more we stand amazed. We are in fellowship with the God who created the heavens and the earth. He is far, far bigger than us. He is far above than us. And we have this fellowship with him. We call him as Abba, Father. So when John says the aim of a Christian is to have this fellowship, the very purpose of a Christian is to have fellowship with the Father and with the Son and to remain in this fellowship. In fact, that is the climax of Christian experience that you are walking with God. Enoch walked with God. When these terms become very common and when we become familiar with these terms, we lose the significance of those terms. When I examine my own life, I find that my desires are at a lower level. Why do I say that? Because I'm far easily satisfied 
with things of lesser importance. I said the world is in, under the control of the evil one and the evil one knows how to keep us away from God. And the way he does it is he fills our mind and hearts with things of the world. Things of the world will always be attractive and entertaining. And I find my desires are very, very, very low. I am easily satisfied. I try to convince myself, oh, I don't drink, I don't smoke. My desires, I try to satisfy. See, I'm doing ministry. I try to help people. Sometimes we tend to make our religion as a moral religion because we have been brought up with the do's and don'ts culture. But the entire basic purpose of Christian life is to have this fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and to relish it, to cherish it, and to desire for it. That is the purpose of this Christian life. Do's and don'ts come out of this fellowship. So John is telling his believers, you may have, see, we have seen him, we have touched him, we have heard about him, we have fellowship with him and our desire is you also may have fellowship with the father and with the son, Jesus Christ. Let me state this carefully. It is not enough that we believe that our sins are forgiven by the death of Christ because the essence of the Christian life is that we should be able to say Truly, my fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And no one can take this away from me. No force on earth can take this away from me. That is the essence of Christian life. And because I have fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, I have the joy which gives me that complete satisfaction. This joy is strong and powerful. No force on earth can take this joy from me. So the Lord Jesus Christ did not come merely to save us from hell. He came to bring us into fellowship with the Father and with himself. The curtain in the temple was torn from top to down. And we should not take this lightly. It is through Jesus Christ I can even pray to God. I can address my God as Abba, Father. Fellowship with God means that we delight in him. We have joy in his presence. That's, that's what's meant by fellowship. To have fellowship with God means I have the desire to speak with my above Father. And we, as true followers of Jesus Christ, we have this privilege and ability.
to do that. Having heard that, having heard this message, how do we reflect on this message? How do I know I had that I have fellowship with God the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ? How do I know that I have this fellowship with God the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ? First, to be in a state of fellowship means that we share in things. We are partakers and partners. If we don't share our things, then we don't have fellowship with God. The very meaning of the word fellowship is to share with God. The Christian is one who has become a sharer in the life of God. Because if we see in 2 Peter 1, I have given both the verses, 3 and 4, because then we will be able to see the significance. Follow this carefully. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life in this world, in this evil world, which is under the control of the evil one, through our knowledge of him, that is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the source of blessing. Everything we need, it is in him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Salvation is the most precious thing in this world of billions of people on this planet Earth, he has called you and me. You did not choose me, but I have chosen you. Christ died while we were at sinners. Through these, through all this, Christ went, the Son of God died on the cross, and he rose again. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. So with all this has been given to you and me so that we may have fellowship with him. That is the meaning of the word. You may participate in the divine nature. We may have fellowship with God the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. That's the reason he has chosen us, so that we can have fellowship. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Christians are not merely people who are a little bit better than they used to be. Rather, they are men and women who have received this divine life. We are men and women who have received this divine life. Some may ask, is it something physical? How do I know I have received this? Will something happen in my body? Will there be some reactions? I'll fall down. No, it is not physical. 
uh, I can speak about the mysticism in the other way. Bible is not talking about the physical response. What the Bible is saying is, in some amazing manner, somehow, somehow, even without my knowing, I have become participators in this divine nature. Even without my knowing, I have somehow, I have become participator in the divine nature. Somehow God has entered into my life. That is very precious. Somehow the essence of God, the divine nature has entered into my life. That is the reason Paul could say, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We find in Galatians 2.20, and we know this verse by heart, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Somehow this divine nature has entered me. The life I now live in the body, I, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Somehow God lives in me. God lives in us. His nature is in us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Are we aware about it? Emmanuel, God, divine nature is in us. Do you have this fellowship with God, the Father, and with the Son, Jesus Christ? Let me put this other way. How much of your life you share with God? How much of your life? You cannot have fellowship with a person without sharing. You have to share your life, your thoughts, your resources, your talents, your, your very being you have to share with the other person if you want to have that fellowship and how much of your life you share with God. That's the first thing. To the extent you share your life, to that extent you have fellowship with God the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. How much, how much of your life you share with this divine God who is residing inside of you? How much? If I can answer that question, I can, I can, I know how much I have fellowship with God the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. The second thing I should see is how much I partner with God. You cannot have fellowship with God and say, Lord, you do your work, I'll do my work. You are a partner with God. God has chosen you to be a partner in his plan and his purpose for your life and for this world. How much do you partner with God? We cannot be truly Christians unless we are really interested in God's purposes and God's purposes 
for us and for this world. He has chosen us to be a light in this world. He has chosen us so that we will partner with him wherever God has placed us, wherever we are living, to what extent I partner with God so that his purpose for my life is fulfilled and also I share in his purposes for this world. The more you have fellowship with God, the Father, and with the Son, Jesus Christ, we will partner with God more and more. We'll be able to give ourselves more and more for his purposes. We are not here to use God for our purposes. When you have fellowship with somebody, you don't make use of that person. You share with that person. And that's what John is writing in this place. So that we can have fellowship with God, the Father, and with the Son, Jesus Christ. I want to leave us with two quick questions. How much of your mind space is filled with Jesus Christ? How much of your mind space is filled with Jesus Christ? When somebody is in love with a person, he keeps thinking about that person. His mind is occupied with thoughts about that person. So how much of your mind space is filled with Jesus Christ? I can do this ministry without having Jesus Christ in my mind. How much of my mind space is filled with Jesus Christ? That'll show me how much fellowship I have with Jesus Christ. How much of your heart space is filled with Jesus Christ? My emotions. Am I being satisfied with things of the world? Whether my desires are satisfied with, with things I see, with things I can touch, or I'm satisfied with Jesus Christ? Are my desires so low? Just the, just the things of the world, some achievements and accomplishments can satisfy my desires or it is just walking with Jesus Christ will alone satisfy my desires. We can apply. You can keep adding to these questions. God blesses us with 24 hours in a day. How much of time do I really have for him? If he's so important in my life, how much of time I devote to him? How much of my own blessings I share so that his purposes are fulfilled in this world? Keep asking, you'll get the answer. But if we want to have this kind of joy, which is unshakable, 
this joy nobody can steal from us this joy nothing nothing in this world can take it out from us take it away from us so if we if we want to have this kind of joy then we need to grow in our fellowship with god the father and with his son lord jesus christ and that's what john the apostle john he expected from his believers he says this having seen the lord jesus christ having touched our lord jesus christ having witnessed the resurrection of our lord jesus christ and now having that fellowship with the risen lord savior jesus christ the apostle paul desire apostle john desires for his believers you also may have this fellowship that we have with god our father and with the son lord jesus christ and this is a promise and a blessing that is given to each one of us this morning shall we desire this fellowship can we make little more space in our mind can we make little more space in our heart can we make little more space in the way we use our time can we make a little more space in the way we use our resources because god counts on you to fulfill his purposes for this world if evil has to be destroyed in this world god is counting on you and as a community will this be our desire that we'll have this fellowship when you go for your job work when you sit and work in front of your laptop will you also have fellowship with god are you ready to take him along with you will you walk with him 24 hours when you go to bed when your sleep is disturbed will you desire to have fellowship with him and that fellowship gives us the joy that no one can take it from take it away from us shall we look to the lord in prayer